Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Steve Perich, joined as always by Sarah Kelleher, Dusty Evely. Let's try it again, guys. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm great. I am super excited that the Packers won first and foremost, and then obviously it's the holiday season, so little extra joy this week. I've been off work this whole week, so even more extra joy. Um, so I'm feeling good. Excited to chat here and then obviously looking forward to another Packers game this weekend. Yeah, doing great, man. No no complaints. Same as Sarah. Off all week. Packers won. Still in the one seed. It's, uh, man, holidays are on the corner. It's getting cold. It's, it's lovely, man. Just everything... It's amazing that when you don't have to go to work, your mood improves. Um, I'm feeling great, man. (laughs) Everything's coming up, Dustin. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well, the Green Bay Packers took care of business at home. Uh, They they defeated the Carolina Panthers, sit 11-3, number one seed in the NFC still, control their own destiny for that, which is just, just a lot of fun when you're a Packers fan. We did have our prop bet. Uh, We had the over-under on Teddy Bridgewater touchdown passes, and that was uh, Dusty's question. Set at 1.5, and he definitely hit the under. I mean, if we had Dusty doing editing, there'd be like a clanking noise. (laughs) Nelson (laughs) Muntz. But that was a big fat goose egg for him. So he still has yet to throw for 15 touchdown passes in in one season in his career. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed for him, it'll be this week. But that means I was the big winner. Uh, So I pull into a first place tie with Dusty at five and eight. Just just killing it, Steve. We are, yeah, we're riding high, buddy. Uh, and Sarah is now in last place at four and nine. So still one game away. I've been here uh, before. <laughs> <laughs> she's not phased by it. She might yeah. just start fading herself again. But we will have a prop bet for the Packers-Titans game. And Sarah's in charge of picking that one. So we'll do that during the game preview. But let's move on. We've got news and notes. Uh, not a lot going on in Packers world today. Um, but just some, some things uh Lindsley is back practicing with the Packers and designated to return from IR. So that was always just a promising move. Like that was something that, uh, you know, we all love. Um, God, I'm blanking. I was Elton Jenkins at, at center. He's a great, he's great, but he's even better at guard. So put him back in his natural position, let Lindsley come back and, and make that offensive line tick again. Let's see. We've also got Jamal Williams not practicing due to a quad. Sternberger still in the concussion protocol. I mean, guys, it, nothing really super super noteworthy outside of Lindsley and Williams. But any reactions to that, or should we are we good to go here? 
I mean, Lindsley News would be huge if he can play. I mean, he gets the line back. Like you said, Jenkins Jenkins moves over. Patrick's been fine this year, but he got abused, and he's. I mean, he could get abused again this week, and then you know Hicks in week seventeen. That's the game the Packers absolutely need to win. So if Lindsley is back and healthy, and that line can go back, that's potentially huge. And everything else, I mean. I don't know, the week the, if Williams can't play, and we saw kind of how the Packers kind of shifted a little on offense, and how it was didn't look quite as pretty with him out. So you get a week to prepare, though. So maybe they work Dylan in a little bit more. Like there's it leaves questions, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it'll go. But certainly hope for Lindsley back at in the middle of the, of the line again. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. That pretty much summed it up. Uh, Packers are playing Sunday night football this week, and I know we had it was a Tarico and and company last time they were on Sunday night football. But the crew will be together. It is Al, Chris, and Michelle on Saturday or Sunday night football for the team. So I know a lot of people will be excited for that. You get to see Chris do his little shimmy into is like now this is a guy and all that good stuff. So that'll be fun. Sarah, you were able, like you said, to watch the McAfee show since it is Tuesday. Rogers was on. What were uh, some of your takeaways? Break it down for us. Yeah, so this episode was a little bit shorter, um, I felt like, than usual. But still great content and great conversations. Um, Obviously, they talked about the belt and how the belt made a return on Saturday. So that was pretty exciting. Basically, Aaron Rodgers said that a lot of the guys were – giving him a tough time on giving him a hard time because he said, you know, in the weeks prior that he had a rushing touchdown, that it was a long run and he was too tired um, <laughs> to pull out the belt celebration. And they basically said, yeah, no, that's not going to fly with us. And if you ever get a rushing touchdown again this season, we better see the belt. And he was like, you know, it was a shorter run. It wasn't, it was earlier in the game. So I wasn't as tired. So I, I and he said, there wasn't people around me right away. So I pulled it out, um, and he was obviously um, ecstatic about that, and he said the team was pretty pumped about it, too. The uh, Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, uh, Christmas gift, (laughs) uh, feud, battle, war, whatever you want to call it, continued this week. Um, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, I guess, exchanged a gift, and Zadarius, if I'm remembering correctly, gave Preston Smith a car. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess Aaron Rodgers said that there's been a little friendly animosity between the two of them because they're not doing the Smith Bros interviews together this year because of Zoom. Um, and so they haven't been as close and friendly, Aaron Rodgers said, with each other in, you know, a healthy way. And that Zadarius wanted to rekindle rekindle the relationship and bring them close, <laughs> even closer together and get him a car. Awesome. Um, and if you've been following along on the Pat McAfee show or just seen some of the conversations on Twitter, um, that's what Aaron Rodgers wants from good old number 69. He wants a custom car with all of these <laughs> um, features. And he says he's gotten him so many things in the past, but he's never received a gift from him. Um, so that's what he's asking. So uh, Pat McAfee asked Aaron Rodgers, well, did, did you plant a little seed in Zedarius's mind? Say, oh, you should give him a car. Maybe that'll give somebody <laughs> else some ideas. Um, and he said, no, that he didn't. But I just thought uh, that was pretty interesting. They also talked a little bit about the passing of Kevin Green and just the kind of guy that he was. And Aaron Rodgers shared a bit of his experience um, with him. And then A.J. Hawk is on the episodes as well. And he talked about... Um, how he called him A to the J all the time instead of just AJ. Um, so they shared some really nice memories about him and 
they just, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers said, yeah, he said it was a big loss for the sports world in general. So good episode. He also at the end really went on a long, basically, I, I love you guys at the Pat McAfee show and thanking them. And he said, you know, I'm not saying that me coming on this show is the reason why I've been playing better. Or the team's been playing better, but he said, it helps him stay positive that a lot of media coverage is so negative. And on Pat McAfee's show, he goes and he has fun, helps him kind of relax and just ease his mind a bit. And it's one of the many things he said he's tweaked in his lifestyle and his everyday that have made him a little more happy and or happier. And um, that he thinks, you know, that in addition to other lifestyle changes he's made has led him to be a better teammate, better player this year. Um, and went on this whole thing and basically told all of them, uh, Pat, Ty, and the boys, like they say, that he loved them and was so grateful and looking forward to doing this for a bit. So it seems like next year we'll have Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays too, which is a good sign. Very cool. Yeah, it's it seemed a little bit more like – I watched some of the clips. I feel like a little bit more touchy-feely this week than, than most yeah. weeks. But, yeah, that's it's always good to see that kind of stuff. So – all right, I think that's time. Let's jump into the week 16 game. Like, I, I feel like I've been saying this every week now, but, man, it's Crazy. it's been flying. Good. It's been flying. I'm happy that they've been able to play the whole season so far. So the 11-3 and three Green Bay Packers will be taking on the 10-4 and four Tennessee Titans. As we do every week, we will preview the game, uh, looking at the Packers' offense versus their opponent's defense. So the, obviously this week, that's Tennessee. So, Sarah, we're going to start with you, the big thing you're looking for. We'll move on to me, and then we'll get a little bit more granular into the details with Dusty. So, Sarah, start us off. Yeah, so obviously this is going to be a, a high-scoring one. Two, you know, high-powered offenses that have really dominated a lot of teams this year, and then two defenses that are questionable at times. So we're going to see a lot of points uh, hopefully scored in this one. So uh, Zach Cruz earlier in the week actually tweeted something out, and um, it opened my eyes, um, made me do a little bit of digging, and then he also shared some statistics. So really giving credit to him on this one because – um, I'm definitely going to be looking for a bit of what he shared. So basically, you know, he tweeted, as I'm sure anyone listening to this right now is thinking, oh, God, Derrick Henry versus the Packers run defense is quite the mismatch. You know, this is kind of a nightmare scenario. Um, but something to also consider that is a potential mismatch as well is that the Titans defense is 32nd um, in the league. So dead last on third down. And then they're 30th um, in the league when they're in the red zone, when they're defending in the red zone. And if you flip it on the other side, the Packers are third in the league on converting their downs on offense, and they're first in the league in the red zone. And Dusty actually shared this with me before um, when we were kind of talking about this. I know in weeks prior, their efficiency in the red zone had been about 73 78%, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. They were converting that many times and in the last how many weeks dusty uh three weeks three weeks a hundred percent of the time that the green bay packers have been in the red zone they have scored which is absurd um so that's obviously a mismatch too this is not a great um titans defense that it in the red zone and the packers obviously have the best and right now a literally perfect offense in the red zone so i'm really going to be looking for the creativity and the play calling once we get into the red zone, once the Packers, you know, are on third down situations, especially outside the red zone, how is Matt LaFleur play calling? Is he getting a little more creative than usual or is he going to stick to what 
he, you know, he usually does. That's worked. I think, you know, he should. Like they say, if it's not broken, like, why are you going to fix it? But I am going to be paying attention to those moments a little more. How are they attacking? How are they taking advantage of what is obviously Tennessee's biggest weakness? Um, So as scary as Derrick Henry may seem on the other side of the ball, I think Aaron Rodgers and the offense are a huge threat to Tennessee. And 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. Ultimately why I think it'll be pretty high scoring in the end. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the things I was kind of looking at, I, to be honest with you guys, there's been a lot of things going on in my life. So this is not uh, the preview of the Tennessee game. I, it's normally something I like to leave to Dusty so he can uh, <laughs> break down all the good stuff for you. But um, for me, the one thing I'm looking for is how eerily similar points allowed averages are for both teams on offense and defense, where Tennessee is at 31.1 uh, scoring, where they just overtook Green Bay, and Green Bay is sitting at 31.0. And then for points allowed, it's Green Bay sitting 24.2, while, ten- while uh, Tennessee is 25.6. So, I mean – Something's got to give. It's not good. most likely not going to be a, a 31-25 game. Um, something's going to give where it's either super low scoring, where it's cold and somehow the defenses step up, or it's just going to be a crazy shootout where it, every, it could be the over on both of them. So it, it'll be very interesting. interesting to watch. I think the Packers offense will bounce back. They will get a little bit extra, a little extra oomph, and I think they're going to, do a little bit better job on Derrick Henry than most people think. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll probably toss somebody like a rag doll. I think Kevin King might be that victim that will be thrown like, uh, like, like he's a tiny little human, but um, <laughs> I, I, I legit, like I think the Packers will win this game and I think most likely it's going to be the higher scoring aspect to everything. So that is what I'm going to look for is who's going to break from their average of points on offense or, or points given up. So, Dusty, uh, break it down, make me look like a fool, and be super smart. No, I mean, first of all, I want to say, I mean, I mean both of you guys, the points, uh, I know Sarah hit on it specifically, is just, I know we get so tied up a lot of times in focusing on, especially in a matchup like this where Derrick Henry is just a monster, we know the Packers' run game isn't good, their run defense isn't good. A lot of times there's a tendency to just, you get you get scared of the other team. How, how can they beat your team? It's because we're so familiar with our team and the weaknesses that you kind of do that. But it is worth pointing out, I think Sarah said, like, they should be scared of Aaron Rodgers as well. They should. They're scared of Aaron Rodgers. They should be scared of Devontae Adams. I mean, we should be scared of A.J. Brown and those guys as well, but 
the Packers have plenty of guys to be scared of as well. So a lot of times I know what I see a lot of people is you, you, you kind of dwell on the negative and how can they beat us? Well, we can, we can beat them too. So there's reasons for them to be afraid. So those are good points by both of you guys to bring those up. Um, I know for me, uh, what I'm looking at, I think, and I'm going to kind of go back to this past game. Um, it, it, the main thing I'm looking at is kind of, kind of game plan defensive game plan from the titans and if they if they hew closer to kind of what the panthers did the panthers really really came in with a really good game plan so the very <laughs> it tells you much the very first snap of the game very first pass play of the game rogers drops back panthers uh bring three drop eight there's no one open rogers ends up burning the throw it was like that a lot. They didn't bring a whole lot of pressure. They're rushing three and four guys. They're able to generate inside pressure, and they're dropping guys into a cloud. And the big thing, one of the big things they did, and this is uh, this is one of the things I'm really kind of wondering about. And we saw uh, we, we we basically saw the Panthers this past week do this and not deviate from it, and the Packers didn't have a whole lot of answers. So a lot of the Packers game, LaFleur talked about this when he came in uh, to Green Bay. He's been talking. It's one of the big talking points is the tying the run game to the pass game. And one of the ways you do that, you make everything look the same, which makes play action work really, really well because you make your passes look like your runs. It doesn't matter. And this is where I, I say it doesn't matter if you are effective running the ball. You just have to show a willingness to run a ball out of certain looks for play action to work. That's that's how the numbers, that's what the numbers have shown in, in studies on this. So you don't have to be good. You just have to show that you're willing to do it. The Panthers did not care about any of that. They were they were sinking basically all play action. Linebackers generally, you're trying to get you're getting the linebackers closer to the line because what that will do is it's it's a domino effect, and I don't want to get too much into it, but it brings those guys closer to the line, which opens up space behind them, which makes the safeties creep up a little, which is how you get some of those shot plays. If they're in say cover three and the linebacker rotates down and you have a deep curl in the middle, that boundary safety is maybe humming down on that curl, which opens up that MVS deep crosser. They, Panthers weren't biting on any of that. They're sinking those guys back. They're trying to stop the run up front. And they're generating pressure with four. And the Packers had a really hard time with that. We talked about it last week. The Panthers were one of the worst defenses in the league at defending deep passes. I think they were 30th in the league. The Packers hit nothing downfield because that was the approach. They sink into that cloud, and they just force you to beat them with the run game. And the Packers didn't. So I'm kind of curious, like, now that that's out there, they stymied the Packers. The Packers still won. They did well at the beginning. And then as it went on, you know, three points in the second half. Are the Titans going to take a page out of that? Titans are not a good defense, but they're a good tackling defense. Panthers, this shocked me to learn, shocked me to learn with how they look. Panthers 26th in the league at tackling. The Titans are 10th. And so what you saw the Packers doing was a whole lot of that like kind of RPO, horizontal passing game to Adams, just hoping to make a guy miss. And almost baiting him into taking that. They were running light boxes, six or seven-man boxes, a lot of six-man boxes. But they're also playing 10 yards off of Adams. So they're they're like, okay, throw the ball, try to get something to happen, and they were a sure tackler. So are the Titans going to take a page out of that book? Because that, that's something they could do. That's something we saw work against the Packers the week before. And then how does Green Bay handle that? Because what Green Bay did not do, they were effective running the ball in the first half. And granted, they still ran the ball in the second half, almost at the same clip. They just weren't as good doing it. But a lot of those were out of RPO looks. When what they really should have done, you've got to you force those teams. You run at them. You force them to move off of that. You force them to bring some guys down, to bring in. So they're loading the box a little more. That opens up other stuff. I could certainly see the Titans kind of doing something like that on defense, something similar we saw this past week. And then how do the Packers handle that? Do they do exactly what they did this past week, which is a whole bunch of horizontal stuff, hoping to win these one-on-ones, which 
probably will not work against the Titans, who are a decent tackling team, or do they look to run a little more? So it's kind of a, for me, it's a, what's the initial game plan? What are they going out there to do? And then seeing how the Titans respond, how do the Packers then respond to that? Do they take what the Titans are giving them? And if that means running the ball five times in a row, you run the ball five times in a row. So it's just kind of those, now the people have had issues with some of the floors, you know, kind of uh, halftime adjustments and all that. And I think there's, there's some, there's something to that. And this is a chance if the Titans do that to, to, for the floor to go, okay, this is how you want us. That's, that's how you want us to, to beat you. This is how we're going to beat you. So that's, it's just with that fresh on my mind, that's something, uh, something I'm really going to be looking forward to. Very cool. Uh, Sarah, it is your week for the prop bet. So why don't you uh, break down what you're, what, what we're doing this week? Cause obviously we're really, really good at picking this. <laughs> we're so good. We're the best. Um, so as I alluded to before, this should be a high scoring game. Um, both of these teams are in the top three for um, average points scored uh, per game um, in the league right now. So right now the Packers are averaging 31.1 points per game and and uh, the Titans are averaging 31.8. So our profit this week is going to be based off the total score, adding um, both teams points together. Um, typically it would total about 62 um, but we're going to take it a little lower. Um, it's going to be cold, obviously, that the conditions might play into things. So we are going to go over under total score at 60 and a half. I guess I'm supposed to go first because I am the loser right now. So I am going, I want to take the over, but I'm going back to my old strategy that worked. So I am going to take the under. I, um, you know what? I'm I'm taking the under two, not because I'm fading myself, because of what <laughs> a lot of it. What I just talked about. If the Titans are going to kind of force them to run a little bit more, I could see the Packers taking a little run heavy approach. It is going to be cold in Green Bay, uh, so I don't know. I could see uh, I could see both teams maybe some longer possessions, maybe slowing down a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'll take. I'll take the under, probably not by much. And I know what this means since I went before Steve. Uh, so Steve, I think, is going to swing for the fences here. But uh, I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense for me to, to take the under because let's say I, if I lose, that means I'm tied with Sarah. But if I win, then I'm beating Dusty and Sarah and uh, get even more separation. So, uh, But it does kind of play into the fact where I, I'm, I took Sarah's advice last week and I faded myself and I finally got back into the, uh, the win yeah. category. Uh, so I, I was thinking I would take the under. Because in my head, like a, a number that sticks out to me would be like a 34-24 type of game. Like to, to me, with the Packers winning, that would make sense. That would that would be something I can wrap my head around. Uh, that that amount of scoring for both teams. But I mean, you throw in a, a special teams touchdown or something like that for one of the teams, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're at the over. So I, I'll I'll go with the over. And it's no fun when we're all picking the same thing. Um, you know, add a little chaos to the world. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the over and see what happens from there. I like, so. I like that you said special teams touchdowns are one of the teams, Steve, we all know what team would be scoring <laughs> that special teams touchdown scenario. Let's not pretend here. <laughs> I still have faith. Tavon. Every time Tavon Austin goes back for a, for a punt return, I'm like, this is it. This is the time it's going to happen. I'm continually let down, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you're probably right. It probably will be a special team <laughs> touchdown the other way. But still, those are points, and this is a combined points. point total. Yeah, correct. 
Mailbag time. Uh, this was a this was a lot you guys brought this week. Uh, I we had some great questions. I had dinner with my family, and uh, you guys will be happy to know. Walmart has a take and bake breakfast pizza that has a, a savory biscuit crust for five dollars. Excuse me. Uh huh. Send us a photo so we know which one to buy. Yeah, yeah, I will. I, I we've gotten it multiple times. Like normally, it'd be like something I would never want to get. Like, but if you go take and bake any other other places, they're like twelve, thirteen bucks. No, legit five bucks for this meat. Like, it's a good pizza. Everybody in my family loves it. So, that I was, uh, yeah. So I was, uh, I was out. We were eating dinner, and all of a sudden, I look at my phone, and I've got seventeen notifications. I'm like, oh, Dusty's question must have hit. Okay, we're good here. <laughs> <laughs> So that was part of the Andy Oreo uh, question that we were coming up here in a minute. But you guys brought some great questions. Unfortunately, we can't answer all of them this week, but we're going to get to as many as we can. So we'll try to go as rapid fire here as we can. First up, we've got Mike Kawano who wants to know, are you team gift card slash certificate or team cash as a present? So, Sarah, let's start with you. I mean, honestly, I'm fine with either one. Um I can spend my money either way and it's not actually my money actually so that's always great um, but I'm going to go team gift card on this one just because I don't usually carry a lot of cash on me um, especially right now with the pandemic I just haven't been using cash as much so I'm going to go with gift card I'm I've, I'm a big believer in the gift card I know some people don't like it but I, if someone gave that to me I would never complain I would use it so gift card for me yeah, I'm I'm team gift card as well. Both both uh, if someone gives it to me and me giving to someone else, it shows a um, and Mike touches on this in the question a little bit, but it at least shows like oh hey like I kind of sort of almost know what you're into and maybe that's just an Amazon gift card where you can buy anything and it's not really anything more personal than cash. It does still feel a little more personal than cash, like you like you know the person a little bit more. So I'm I am very much team gift card. I go I go off the board. I'm team gift. I don't really like doing cash. I don't really like doing gift cards. I think they're for me it's just it's more fun to be able to try to think about somebody that if, I, if I'm actually giving you a gift like I want to think about you and something that you actually would like. So like with with Dusty, I would know I would know like I'd find a bourbon to find and I would I would ship it to him. For Sarah, I mean it would be goldfish and crackers and juice like you know <laughs> taking the time to know that person. Good stuff, yeah. <laughs> no exact maybe some fruit roll-ups i don't know maybe you know that that could be the special extra treat but <laughs> i don't think sarah like that one as much she's not looking at fun. i would not uh, be with those gifts at all <laughs> so yeah that's if you're trying to insult me it's fine because i, I, I would that, i would eat all those things <laughs> i would be great now i don't have to buy this when i go to the store <laughs> So when are our packages coming, Steve? When is that? When is that stuff showing up? Well, first of all, technically it's illegal to ship booze to you. I've already looked mm. it up. Yeah, because I was gonna send I was gonna send you an Elijah Craig barrel proof, but that uh, technically is illegal. So I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to make it happen. And Sarah, yeah, well, well we're working on that. That that one's a very easy one to to tackle. So. <laughs> Next up, we've got Packers Force Black Mountain. I don't know what that means at all, but his question, should Aaron Rodgers not worry about the MVP race, help commit this team to the run, and open up the greater threat of play action down the road in January? Dusty, start us off. All right, so uh, I have a bit of a problem with this question just because it 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 
it what it what it's presupposing is that the problems any problem with the Packers offense is traced back to Aaron Rodgers chasing an award. And that's it. And that's that is simply untrue. Now what I will say that I think just based on rewatching this game, a lot of those horizontal throws to Adams, they're baiting them. And a lot of that stuff was based off RPOs. Now a lot of their stuff has a lot of the run plays have RPOs built in and it's wide receiver screen, smoke throw, uh, you know, throws to those horizontal throws that you're seeing are baked into those run plays as a secondary option, depending on what they're seeing, either pre snap or immediately post snap. What I would have liked to seen against the Titans or against the Panthers, sorry, is not only just less of those throws, but almost just like committing fully to the run when they wanted to run. They were killing them so much in the first half that if you're going to run in some of those scenarios, if you're going to commit to the run, if that's if that's how you see yourself winning going forward. You, you commit to that. Don't give the options for the RPOs. Don't throw that stuff on the on the side. I mean, you can, not not all the time. But work that stuff in. But every run play should not be an RPO. And I'm not saying that it is, but there were a lot of them this past week. So get away from that from a from a you know from a game planning play calling perspective. Just get rid of all like a ton of the RPOs that you're calling. If you want to run, just run the ball. And if you get up to the line and there's an eight man box. I know they talk about this a lot. They've got the the can system, so Rodgers can go up. It's also it could be a kill system. You go up, you got two plays. You don't like the look up front. You kill that, or you can that, and you go to the next one. So you usually go up with two play calls. Uh, I know that that's how the floor system is set up. So you could you still do that, and so you're still taking what the defense gives you. But if you're going to run, just run. So I think I mean I don't think I think the if you're looking at the game, if we're seeing what happened. They kept going back to those horizontal throws to Adams because they were giving a cushion, and they're like, well, Adams will make a guy miss, and he wasn't because the Panthers are very good tacklers this past week. None of that, none of that was Rodgers chasing an MVP. All of that was based on that look has worked for them all year. You throw that because Adams will make something work, and it didn't work this past week. So I don't love the idea of saying Rodgers throwing all those smoke throws, all those wide receiver screens to Adams as MVP chasing, because that's not what it was. That was giving them the best chance, what they felt was the best chance to win this past week. I would just like to see more um, committing to the run. Uh, that's, I mean, that's basically it. Sarah? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm afraid to, to add anything to that. I'm assuming you're under the same impression. The only thing I was going to add um, was that they'd actually talked about um, – Rogers and his MVP comment about how he thinks it would be awesome if he won the MVP on the Pat McAfee show today because Pat McAfee was messing with him that people were like, Aaron Rodgers wants to win the MVP, so he doesn't care if the Packers win the Super Bowl. He just wants to win the MVP. Um, and so they like brought it up, and you could tell Aaron <laughs> Rodgers was so annoyed. Like, yeah. you, like, I can't say both. Like I can't want both things. Um, so I just, I just, it reminded me of that, and that I meant to talk about it earlier. Um, but I'm not going to comment on any of the technicalities because I think Dusty, uh, he checked all the boxes there. <laughs> the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Well, let's uh, let's double down then. We the next question I think is another dusty one since I know Sarah and I very rarely watch all twenty two film, and by rarely I mean I never do. Uh, Sarah, I don't know if you ever do. No. That's a no. That's a no. Okay, so this one's a from Kevin Cushing. Um, I assume you've seen the all twenty two film, and Dusty has. Mm-hmm. Kevin has not. He says, are the other receivers not open or was the horizontal game to Adams just stuck on repeat for some reason? Is that what people are talking about when they say the Packers need another receiver? Lazard, EQ, MVS were very quiet. So I I felt like that was kind of like piggybacking on the last question, but I wanted to see if there's any additional things that need to be brought up from that. I mean, this past week specifically, um, the Panthers were – we're sinking into soft coverage, taking away anything deep, taking away a lot of that stuff. And so a lot of the intermediate stuff, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, EQs running crossers, MVS running deep stuff. And I talked about that. There's one play in in, in particular. So the pa- the Packers like to run a lot of kind of deep curl and then you run a deep over, over the top of it. Uh, and, and against like single high coverage, that'd be, you know, cover one, cover three, whatever that that safety from the boundary rotates down uh, uh, rotates down on that deep curl to pick that up because if he doesn't it's an easy 15 20 yard completion on the middle of the field and he has to do that because play action has brought up the linebacker so linebackers can't sink underneath so you've opened up that void that deep third void there and they run mvs on that crosser over the top and then mvs is picked up by the middle safety which gives mvs like a, a really nice angle so when you see a lot of those cross the cross the field throws to mvs packers are running some variation of that and you're getting mvs inside leverage on the single high defender so you're doing that the way the panthers are playing them you didn't have that so i i hesitate to say like I mean, there was there weren't they weren't really open this week because of how the Panthers are playing them. That's not true every single week. I mean, we saw just the previous week what MVS had uh, six catches on six targets. EQ is getting open. I think one of my concerns about the team and and the system a little bit as a whole is that I think this works really well. The Lafleur system, the Shanahan system, I think works really really well when you can. <laughs> When it when it works for you, when you're able to dictate that stuff, when you're when you're down at second and four and you and everything's kind of working, you can kind of stay ahead of the sticks and you can do everything like that. I think where it starts breaking down, at least with this personnel grouping, and this is where that that first round wide receiver, free agent wide receiver, whatever plug in here comes in, is when they're struggling a little bit and they have to go to a little more eleven personnel, which would be one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers uh, to go a little more pass heavy, to push that down the field a little more. They don't really have the horses to do that too much. So that's that is that is kind of a concern of mine but if we're talking specifically this past week or even you know past weeks i think some of those guys are getting open this past week specifically not a whole lot of people were just because how the panthers are playing them so the adam stuff the adam short stuff like i kind of talked about before that's a product of how the panthers are playing they were playing off soft there's nothing downfield and it's either run or you throw that smoke to Adams. And they're thrown to Adams, and he just wasn't making anything happen. So that's where, I mean, there was a ton of those. I think Fennel, Ben Fennel had um, marked, I think, 20 RPOs this past week the Packers ran, which is the most they've run all season. So, uh, And a lot of those, I think, you know, quite a few of those ended up being those throws. So I think this past week is a product of both. I think guys weren't getting open, but that, that was more because of how the Panthers were playing that soft zone more than anything else. Next up, Packer Backer wants to know, seems like there's a big enough sample size in the Matt LaFleur era to ask, on a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the offense's inability to adapt slash make changes on the fly when things are going sideways? Sarah, let's start with you. I mean, like a 5, maybe? Not something that is keeping me up 
at night, but it obviously is something that I think should be addressed. Um, but you have to consider a positive spin on this is you have to consider that, yes, there's been times where they haven't made the right adjustments. But in his time as the head coach for the Green Bay Packers, they haven't lost many games. Um, so obviously he's doing something right. He knows what he's doing. So, yeah, I think it's something maybe they should address. Maybe they should discuss and look and say, hey, how can we make these you know snap judgments and adjust a little bit quicker um, during the game and get out of some of these lulls? Um, but at the same time, they're still finding ways to win games. Uh, so I, I would say about a five. I was going to say too that, I mean, I'm pretty close. I was going to say three to four was where I was sitting just because well, like, what was the biggest complaint from everybody after year one was his play calling was, you know, he couldn't call a great game. He couldn't do these things. And I think the second year around, he's learning, he's adjusting and he's calling better games. Like it's pretty clear that the game calling is better year two than year one. And so maybe that's something that he can look at to, uh, to adjust and things like that. Um, but I mean, you can also consider the fact that he might be looking at when they're up 21 to three, this it's almost like practice where these are the things we want to put on film. They may not work, but they're going to work down the road. And I think that's something that Dusty might allude to, but you know, those, those tendency breakers of, Hey, here's this on film. Look at what we did. Look at what we did. Now we're going to burn your ass the next time. So I think it's like Sarah said, it, it is something to, to watch and make sure that, you know, and not make sure, but you hope that he adjusts and, and gets better at that. But he got better at the play calling. So I, I have all the faith in the world that he will continue to grow as a head coach and get better at making those adjustments. What do you think, Dusty? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the the tendency breaker thing is that that's a that's a really good point because I mean, in some of those, you know, some of those you think, and I I was guilty of this this past week as well. Like you see some stuff during the game and go, oh, well, they're going to come back to that during the game, but that's not always the case. They had a, a, a PA boot uh, down in their first trip to the red zone that uh, Aaron Jones leaked out the backside and was totally open. Like, okay, well, they're open, and that that's like. Their, their half boot backside kind of throwing that up at some point and never it never showed up but what you did see this past week was they had three different they ran PA boot the PA boot leg which they run multiple times a game three times this past week unlike any other time I've seen them run it they usually run it with split zone there's no split zone some of the alignments were different and so that was just it's something different like like Steve said you're putting something on tape the all of the all of the RPOs all of like that that smoke stuff or even just beyond the smoke i really like the um smoke is the basically when it's just atoms on one side with a cushion and you throw it and there's no blockers it's just a one-on-one thing but what you had somewhere it's more like a traditional wide receiver screen where you step back and you have the two blockers i kept waiting for and this is something that certainly seems to be setting up because they threw it so many times this past week you fake that and they've shown that a couple times earlier this year you fake that and then you throw it over the top because you get that aggressive defense crashing so yeah stuff like that steve you throw that same rpo seven times in a game that gets defenses thinking about that and a little more aggressive than you you throw that i don't know say maybe in the playoffs maybe you break that out or something against an aggressive defense like and and to your other point make, there, steve, make I mean, a cornerback jump and then all yeah. of a sudden you're going deep yeah, they hit Tanya Tan- on one of those earlier this year. Um, like against the Saints, they hit him on one of those. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, to your other point, Steve, that I think is really good. I mean, the floor is um, still relatively young at this. I mean, he was, you know, QB coach. He was offensive coordinator for one year under McVay. He called plays one year in Tennessee and then in Green Bay. So this is his 
third year calling plays. Like you said, Steve, play calling has gotten better. This was a really weird offseason, but he's this is the second year in the system. He still doesn't probably have all the pieces he wants. You know, he wanted DeGuara. I think DeGuara was a big part of that, and he's out. They're down to uh, Dominic Daphne, who I like Daphne fairly well, but he's not DeGuara by any stretch of the imagination. So some of the stuff, he's he's still learning. He's still getting better. He's shown, like you said, vast play calling improvement between year two and year one. So I think it's one of those, I'm, I'm probably sitting three or four, but the same as Steve. I think he's, it's something, it is a concern, but based on what we've seen, like, I don't think it's a long-term concern. This is something that will get worked out. You, you hope it doesn't bite him this year in the playoffs. But I, I think he's a very, very good coach, to Sarah's point. They don't lose many games. They're up big in a lot of games. So, I, yeah, my I have concern, but it's it's relatively low just because I, I, I like what he's done and the improvement he's shown. Jeff McKeefrey wants to know, love the show, and I have you tied with Saturday as the favorite pack a day listen for me. Well, Jeff, just got to tell you, you're looking like a very handsome man in that profile picture. <laughs> oh, hopefully that'll put us over the edge. Go work, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. I, I, I do what I can. His question is whether it would be better to try Jackson at cornerback over King to light a fire with King. It seemed to work with Preston Smith. And then also your favorite Christmas meat for dinner. We uh, actually got several questions about Christmas meats. So I think we might uh, – answer that one a little bit further down the road but uh sarah what are you thinking what what would you do with jackson and king at cornerback i mean so a lot of people have been talking about this and i've been seeing the same proposition pop up on my twitter timeline and i think right now there's a reason that the packers are playing kevin king and that josh jackson has been a healthy scratch for a couple weeks in a row i know that Neither of them are perfect, but clearly the Packers like Kevin King better than Jackson. Um, and that's the guy that they're picking. I, I don't know, you know, what that means for Jackson's future. But clearly, if a lot of people think Kevin King is bad, but the Packers are still picking him above Josh Jackson, I don't think that means Josh Jackson is any better than him. We've also seen Josh Jackson play a few times, and it hasn't been the most amazing thing ever. Um, so what happens there? I don't really know. I don't see, you know, a timeline where in a few years, maybe they're both on the team. Like, I don't see that happening. I think they might just have to reset and start over there because in my mind, neither of them are the permanent answer, at least anymore. At, at times, you know, I thought, hey, maybe Kevin King will work out, but he's, he's struggled a bit as of recently. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm about the only thing I'll say, and I think there's different ways to coach guys. There's different ways that guys respond to stuff, and so we don't know if if a fire was lit under Preston Smith, he started playing better. We don't know if that's the reason or not, but uh, if it was, that doesn't necessarily mean that same thing's true of Kevin King. The the, the well, I mean, one of the jobs you don't really see of, of a head coach of, of any coach really is those personnel issues. How you handle those guys, you 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 hear about stuff like that a lot. Everyone's different. Those personalities are different, and so what may work to motivate one guy may not work to motivate a different guy so if that was in fact what happened with Preston Smith Kevin King is not Preston Smith he may he may respond to something way different than that you do you do that to the wrong guy that guy may just shut down like you just it, we without being in there it's hard to say what motivates a guy to do something so laying down a blanket like do this because it worked for this player um, that's that's not that's not the way it works unfortunately it, it'd be nice because that would make it way way easier 
Yeah, I completely agree. Like it's, I don't, I, I guess I don't have too much to add. I think, I think people are just frustrated. Like you see a couple of things with Kevin King where, you know, the ball gets completed right next to him and he just kind of stands there and waits for, for Savage to make the tackle. And <laughs> you, that, that was highlighted a lot this week, I think. And sure. That, that's a, it's a frustrating thing to see. I, to me, it looked like he pulled something when he like tried to like pull up and go for that tackle. And all of a sudden was like, Ooh, crap, that really hurt. But, I mean, he played the rest of the game, so maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Clearly, I am not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn yesterday. So, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, to me, they're, they're kind of six of one, half a dozen of another. They like King – like Sarah said, they like King better. That, that's just a clear fact of matter. Like, And this late in the season, trying to light that fire, it doesn't seem like a likely thing that the, de- that the defense is going to do. So, Next up, Kyle Fellows. Are sugar cookies actually good or just a waste of everyone's time and calories? <laughs> Where do they stack up compared to Oreos? Longtime listener, first time caller, Merry Christmas. So, Dusty, let's start with you. Where do uh, sugar cookies stack up in the hierarchy of cookies? I mean, not my favorite cookie, but uh, I feel like we talked about cookies a little bit last week. <laughs> like we talk about cookies every week. I don't know who. Yeah, I'm that's in every week. <laughs> that's just that's a weekly occurrence, whether it's Christmas or not. Uh, I, I like sugar cookies, man. We my uh, we actually made some this past week. Uh, you know, we, we we did the dough, all that stuff, and then the kids uh, kids decorated them and painted them all up with frosting, and you know, they're just ungodly amounts of frosting. But listen, they're good, man. Listen, I am a fan of sugar cookies. I will eat sugar cookies. They're not my favorite, but I, I'm I'm a big fan. Yeah, I like sugar cookies too. Again, they're not on at the top of my list, but I think the thing I appreciate about them is that they're very consistent. Like, I don't think I've ever had a bad sugar cookie. And like, I love chocolate chip cookies. Like those are probably up there with some of my favorites. And I don't think I've ever, and like, I don't, ha- I don't think I've had a bad sugar cookie, but I've tried a chocolate chip cookie where I was like, Ooh, that wasn't the best. But then like, the best chocolate chip cookies are better than the best sugar cookies. So that's kind of where I stand on that. They're a consistent cookie that hasn't ever let me down. So not the worst, not the best right there in the middle. I think I'm a little higher than most people on sugar cookies. Like one of my favorite things to, that, that I'm buying, if I'm going out to buy sugar cookies, it's going to be like the Target brand ones or the Walmart brand ones that you, you've all seen them before. It's a 12 pack that comes in like a plastic kit package it's a a sugar cookie that's a little bit thicker with a little bit thicker of frosting and they're themed for whatever time of year it is and i don't know why like i know they're gross like they shouldn't be good and like i can taste like the granulars of sugar while i bite it but for whatever reason like something triggers in my mind like god that's awesome like it's just something in my brain that i enjoy it quite a bit more than i probably should but i enjoy a good uh i enjoy sugar cookies probably more than anybody else on this podcast Nice, nice flex, Steve. I don't have much to flex on, man. (laughs) Sorry, I I apologize that I like sugar cookies more than you. What the hell am I apologizing for? You shouldn't. Next up, Scottish Packers fan. What is the best Christmas Day meat? There we go. Uh, And why is it roast lamb? Well, buddy, it's not. Um, But we'll uh, we're just going to kind of dive in a little bit since we had a couple of questions on meat and. You know, what are you guys like? What are your traditions? What do you do for for food? You know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Like, is is it a big meat day for you, or what's going on, Sarah? What do you What do you guys do for your family? So Christmas Eve, since I was little, has always kind of been 
nothing super fancy. Like we, you know, gather as a family and we have a nice meal. But I remember as kids, like obviously when we were a lot younger, um, my brother and I with my parents, we would like make homemade pizzas. Like we would grab the dough and then put the spread the sauce on there, sprinkle the cheese and everything. And that was kind of like our thing or our, our Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness. Our Christmas <laughs> Eve um, tradition. Um, as we got older, that kind of transitioned into like lasagna and other like Italian foods. So I think we kind of took that route for um, Christmas Eve. My grandmother also, she's um, Peruvian. So she also makes this like amazing mix of rice, beef tenderloin, carrots, potatoes. So we've had that on Christmas Eve um, many years as well. And then Christmas Day is just kind of, I think, a mashup of things. Usually we'll have like one main meat, like it might be a turkey, it might be a chicken, it might be a ham. Um, And then everyone usually kind of brings a side and that's it. I mean, it's not as extravagant as Thanksgiving, but we still have a nice meal and Christmas Eve is usually a little more relaxed, like we'll wear very casual clothes and just eat and eat all the cookies and everything too. And then on Christmas day, we try to be a little nicer and more formal about it, but <laughs> this year probably not. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how we do it in the Kelleher household. And for us, we don't do, do usually do a whole lot for Christmas Eve. We do it just at my house. Your mother-in-law will come over. We'll do some, do some gifts. We'll make, some kind of food who knows what it is varies from year to year and christmas for my family i've got i've got a big family i'm one of uh one of five kids uh, and everyone's married and now you know most of us have kids at this point and so it's it's pretty big to do we we go to my uh go to my parents house not this year but we usually all go to my parents house and uh hang out and do presents and all that have some uh some just absolutely killer breakfast casserole with an ungodly amount of sausage in it uh do some do some ham and stuff so this year, I think we're doing so. It's usually just ham, like not not a huge meat day. This year, uh, we're staying home, unfortunately, uh, and then we're gonna do uh, doing some pulled pork this year. So I'm gonna throw that throw that stock of stuff on the on the smoker Christmas Eve and uh, really just just do it up on Christmas with just an ungodly amount of pork. Uh, so that's 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 ours. Not too shabby at all. Normally Christmas Eve um, with my family, we would do. Um, soup and sandwiches and then Christmas Day is normally like ham, cheesy potatoes, all that kind of stuff. And uh yeah, unfortunately we're gonna be we're gonna be home this year uh with everything going on. So I know we're gonna do ham and cheese potatoes for Christmas Eve, uh to kind of keep that tradition going. And then I think I'm gonna get some good steaks and stuff for everybody and oh, nice. uh for, for Christmas Day. And then I am actually one fun fact for me is that for for Christmas the one thing I am going to get is a uh, with all the combined money and things that I'm getting through you know work bonuses and from my wife and from my f- parents and uh, grandparents and all this kind of stuff like I'm actually going to get an electric smoker now yeah uh, a, a nice one um, so I'm going to be able so next year I will have a variety of Christmas Day meats that I will smoke and I will tell you guys all about it. <laughs> You if it's safe again, that sounds. Oh, there we go. Was it so? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a whole smorgasbord of dead animals on my smoker, so that'll <laughs> oh be delicious. Okay, I take it back. That was our show. Okay, so if I say there, well, well how how can I phrase? Oh, this? No, it's fine. We'll be there. Don't worry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. 
Next up, Slavko wants to know, after their loss to the Jets, do we have to take the Rams seriously? I mean, yeah, I think you should. I I think sometimes good teams lose to really bad teams. I mean, the Packers lost to the Vikings. So, uh, so (laughs) mic drop. That's that. No, I don't think, I mean, the the Vikings aren't great, but obviously the Jets are a a lot worse. Yes, you still should take the Rams seriously. I don't think they're the greatest team ever, but I think they just had a really sucky game. We've seen this happen to the Packers this year where they look like absolute trash sometimes. And then the next week they come and they score 40 plus points and they look amazing and everyone is back on the Aaron Rodgers should win the MVP train. So yeah, I think you should still take them seriously. Um, And honestly, not taking them seriously would... Um, not be good because I think you would then catch yourself underestimating a team that could sneak up on you. Works for me. Mm-hmm. All right, this one is more for you two. Uh, Thomas DeCaro wants to know your favorite T Swift song of this year. Oh, I commented back <laughs> to him and I told him that this we will answer, but this is like choosing a favorite child. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows this Taylor Swift released two albums, only like three or four months apart from each other. And they both had a bajillion songs on them. Um, and so choosing one is hard. So I am, and I know Dusty is doing the same. We're doing like (laughs) one A and one B. Um, so one A would be Exile, which is on Folklore, the first album. Love that song. It's just so good. And then the Long Pond studio session she did where she like sang all the songs live um, and in like an acoustic setting. That version is honestly even better, which I didn't know was possible. That's tremendous. It's so good. It's amazing. So that would be my 1A. And then 1B is also from Folklore, even though I like like all the freaking songs on Evermore, the second album too. Um, And that's The Last Great American Dynasty. I just like a lot of her songs that tell these crazy stories and that's one of them um and it's just catchy it puts me in a good mood i like listening to it whereas a lot of the other songs are sad um and as much as i love the sad songs i like i think i should pick a happy song because if you've listened to both songs you know exile and last great american dynasty are quite different um in mood so those those would be my two but you know, there there could definitely be like one C one D in there too, but we won't we won't go that far. Sarah, you don't want to get all happy and listen to Mad Woman or anything. Just really, really make a nice nice big night of it. <laughs> Mad Woman and Betty on repeat, and just just yeah. have yourself a big old smile. Uh, yeah, uh, my my one A same as Sarah. It's Exile. Um, that Long Pond set at studio sessions is incredible. Um, I've not watched it yet, Sarah. I don't know if you've watched it. I know Disney Plus has like the oh, I've live thing. On Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I had a, a, a coworker of mine was telling me he was like it's basically just um, what Aaron Dressner, uh, Jack Antonoff, and, and Taylor Swift sitting around talking about songs and playing. And I was like, okay, that's something I would enjoy, so I need to watch it. But yeah, Exile is incredible. Um, big big Boney Verso, uh fan uh, since he started really, and so having him on there is a plus. But just an absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking song. So Exile is absolutely top of the list. And then one uh, B for me is Marjorie off off Evermore. Evermore has not grabbed me as much as Folklore. Marjorie's incredible. Like that's one I've been listening to that one quite a few times. The story about behind that is incredible. It's it's about her grandmother who died, who was an opera singer and died when she was when Taylor Swift was young. And so you've got this kind of like 
are are you what are you basically you're seeing what I what I've become or what my career is like you were you kind of helped shape this it's a shame you're not here to see it I wish you were here and at one point, uh, she actually has the, the phrase, um, I could swear that I could, uh, I'm listening to you now, or I can hear you now. And you, they've actually put uh, her grandmother's voice in there uh, because she was an opera singer in the background. Just It's haunting and beautiful and just an amazing song. So uh, I got to bet really, really hard for Marjorie. So I'm going, I'm going to exile Marjorie. But like, like Sarah said, I could, I could list 10 very, very easily to put on the list. But that's my, uh, that's my 1A, 1B. Steve, uh, Steve, for, where- for me, uh, you know, <laughs> it would be champagne problems off of Evermore. Champagne oh, problems um, is, is really good, Steve. Yeah. I feel like you're mocking us, but that's that's a very good song. <laughs> yeah, I just I literally Googled Taylor Swift album or new album, and then it just had the list of songs, and I just guessed I didn't. That's I didn't. like in my top five of the <laughs> yeah, songs. Okay, all right. We um, we talked enough about Taylor Swift. It's a Packers <laughs> podcast. If you want to start a Taylor Swift podcast, feel free. I'll be a guest. Let's at some stop point. talking about Taylor Swift and move on to sugar cookies. You're right, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. People enjoy talking about Oreos more than they like talking about Taylor Swift. You don't know that. I do know that. Anyway, John Twatter next up. Um, with with Jamal Williams getting hurt and AJ Dillon uh, busting off an 18 yard run and then doing nothing, is Matt Lafleur saving him as a secret weapon for the playoffs? Dusty, what do you think? No, no. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice, right? I mean, we talked about earlier in the season if they were saving him for fresh legs, man, that'd be really, real cool. But uh, I gotta assume at this point, no, no, it is not. That sums it up. Nothing to add. Yeah, it makes me sad. I mean, I think Lafleur just messes with me after he listens to every podcast, and I complain about the running back usage. He's like, "Nope, nope." He talked about it. He talked about it again. He's like, "Not going to do it." He's like, "Not going to feature Aaron Jones." We got to mix it all up. No, I think. I mean, it's a. It was a promising run. It looked great, but again, like AJ and uh, Williams are the guys that they trust, and they're going to use them when they're both available, and that's that's just kind of the way they're going to go forward and. You know, if the playoffs come around and one of them gets dinged up, they'll probably throw him in a little bit more. But, I mean, I think you expect uh, Williams and you expect Jones to get pretty much 99% of the carries. So I wouldn't expect too much unless there's an injury coming around. So Andy Herman, our good uh, podcast uh, creator, wants to know, have uh, what is the verdict on the white fudge-covered Oreos? Now, none of us actually had enough time to go out and get these before this actually went down. But, um, Dusty, I know you've tried the the chocolate-covered ones. Sarah, have you tried the chocolate-covered ones? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so very, very similar. What are your takes on it? Oh, tremendous. Just, it's, I mean, not something I can sit down and eat a ton of because they're very, very sweet. But, man, so good. So good. Yeah, I'd imagine the ones that Andy posted are pretty, probably pretty good, too. Um, I like white chocolate and uh, milk chocolate and dark chocolate and um, love all of them. So I feel like I would like it, but I totally agree with Dusty. It was one of those where with like a regular Oreo, I can have a few and then I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to have a couple more. But with those, <laughs> it's a lot at once where I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm I'm definitely done now. <laughs> But proud of you, Andy, for branching out and trying something new to add to your exclusive list of foods that you will eat. Um, this yes. is a big deal. Yeah, it's not Frosted Flakes. Good job, Andy. 
No, there and there were several several comments that uh, that erupted out of this, and people were asking if this was going to be added to his Thanksgiving Day menu or what. The thing I would say, and that I most remembered about when I eat when I ate those the first time, was that the cookie like it's so crisp compared. Like sometimes yeah. you can open a bag of Oreos and you can be like, "Ooh, that's not the best Oreo I've ever had." That's not a even the first one out of the bag, not the crunchiest one you've ever had. But man, like they get that that the the chocolate all around that that solidifies that cookie and it's just a, a just a crunch right away which was awesome uh but we did get a comment from bruce edmonds and i do need to read this to everybody because he describes basically like <laughs> the perfect way to eat this type of oreo and it was weirdly uh erotic so dusty may depending on the amount of time that he has he may or may not throw uh some some music under this we'll see but i'll try to read this slowly so everybody can really appreciate it (laughs) and i'll try not to laugh uh so again this is from bruce edmonds he says but wait you need to bite an edge of the white chocolate off and expose the cookie to the cream part and dunk in the milk lift bitten side up and let the milk soak in. Repeat until tender, then eat. I mean, that's just really uncomfortable. Very uh, uncomfortable. Not gonna lie, it's a little warm in this room at this point, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Moving on. uh. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) What? There's nothing wrong with what I did there. He's like, Steve's like, oh, I have a really hard time saying I love you to you guys who I talk to every week for like two years. But let me say this and I'll be fine saying this. I wasn't looking at the two of you. I had to look at my phone so I could read it. Okay. All right. But anyway, uh, that actually is the last question that we have. (laughs) So we're ending on a really, really positive note. Happy holidays, everyone. (laughs) Uh, so let's get some closing thoughts from you guys before uh, before this thing gets wrapped up. Sarah, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so Sunday night, um, obviously it's going to be a late game. Um, we'll be up late uh, writing that recap, but I know you guys will come through with some great commentary. So um, be on the lookout for that. I know we're we're getting there. It's, all, it's hard to believe we're already this far into the season. I feel like things have just flown by. Um, other than that, uh, I just hope everyone has a safe and happy holidays and that, you know, whatever way you're able to spend time with your loved ones, that, you know, you can do it in a safe way and that you just enjoy each other's company, um, whether that's through a screen or if you're gathering with a few people in person. Um, I know it's been a tough year and um, this is a good time to at least, you know, reflect and look at what we do have and what we still can do and um, be grateful for that um, and you know and if things aren't the best right now then I hope you know as you know the days and weeks continue on that things start to get a little better and into the new year it can be a fresh start and fresh chapter for um, a lot of you and a lot of us too it's it, it's been a really tough year um, so just wishing everyone the best um, and hope they have a great holiday um, or whatever holiday that you and your family celebrate uh, this week and in the next coming weeks too yeah, for me, I'll, you know, my normal stuff, you know, yesterday on Packer Report, I've got PA boot stuff, some of the stuff I alluded to today, kind of the difference, the different ways they ran that this year or this week as opposed to uh, earlier in the year. Uh, 
today at Pack Report, I've got uh, Chris Barnes blowing up a screen, uh, which was one of my favorite defensive plays of the game besides the Chris Barnes punch. So he's in two of my favorite plays of this week. But that the, the blown-up screen, that was also read really well by Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry. Uh, it was just a tremendous play by Barnes. Uh, so I, I wrote that up a little bit, showed kind of what the coverage behind that was, what, what Barnes was, was keying on and kind of beating that block from the center to be able to blow it up. Really fun stuff. And then also on Cheesehead, so normally over on Cheesehead uh, every week, I write about the, the passing stuff, and I, I say, hey, this was really cool. Um, whether it worked or didn't work, I really like this concept and, and kind of here's the thought process behind the concept. Uh, this week I decided to kind of write up um, basically it's seven plays and five of them that didn't work and five of them that were kind of a little ugly and kind of looking at like, okay, well, what was the, what happened here? What was the thought process behind it? Uh, one of my big ones from this week, and I'd seen, you know, some screenshots kind of going on, on Twitter a little bit was as uh, third and four is a mesh concept of Lazard and Lazard looks like he's wide open. And Rodgers doesn't throw it to him. And that was like a, you see going around is that was a misread. Rodgers missed him. I saw a lot of people during the game, after the game saying Rodgers misreads. It's first of all, it's hard for anyone to say Rodgers misreads. If you are not in the huddle, you don't know what the reads are. Um, that, that's kind of an issue. But with that specific one, there's this, there's this whole thing with uh, Burns as the spy and, and Thompson crashing on the line and Rogers thinking Jones was wide open. So him trying to this kind of cat and mouse game of Rogers post snap, trying to look off burns to open the window from Lazard. And when that didn't happen, going back to Jones, who we thought was wide open, but Thompson made a grand recovery. So it's to me, one of those, I mean, one of the reasons I started looking into, you know, breaking down football plays, you know, seven, eight years ago, however long it's been now was to answer those questions. I saw this on the broadcast why didn't this go the way I kind of thought it would? Why, why, why didn't this go to this place? And to me, that was kind of a, a really good example of this past week of there's so much going on every single play um, that, I mean, sometimes the ones that don't work out are the more, most interesting ones. So you kind of get to get that look into that a little bit more. Why didn't he go there? Well, and there's always a ton of stuff going on. So really, I mean, I think it's a different, you know, I think last week I said it was my favorite week writing about football since I started doing it. Uh, this may have been the most interesting to me um, just because it, there is, there was so much going on. The Panthers game plan was really unique and they did a really good job with it. So uh, that's, that's up on she said today. And then I guess lastly, just to echo Sarah, what Sarah said, I mean, guys, you know, even thanks for putting up with our nonsense every week uh, during the year. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, everyone have a happy and safe holidays. Like Sarah said, I think, you know, everything's going to look, I know for me, for my family, my family's all very, very close. Um, like I said, I'm one of five kids. We all live within 20 minutes of each other. Uh, we all live within 20 minutes of my parents. Uh, my grandfather lives close by as well. Uh, so we're, we're very close family. We see each other a lot and, and we're not getting together this year. And that's, that's, that's hard, man. Like it's a real shame. I know we're not the only people doing that. Um, so it's, it's going to be different. It's going to look different. Um, uh, but it, we're, <laughs> We're going to find ways to celebrate. We're going to find ways to still see each other, like like Sarah said, whether that's over a screen or, or maybe uh, spaced out uh, spaced out by a fire when it's 25 degrees outside. You know, we're, we're going to try to find a way to make it work. So uh, just happy holidays to everyone. Really tough year, really tough time. I, I know it, man. But um, yeah, thanks for all your support this year and, and hope everyone has just has tremendous, tremendous week, tremendous holidays here. Yeah, I honestly don't have too much to add. You guys said some some pretty awesome stuff, and it's just at this time of year, you just look back at the things that you're thankful for, and you know, I've got a wonderful wife, I've got two beautiful kids, um, and you know, 
we get to do this podcast where we talk about the Packers every week and, and people actually listen to it and like it, which is crazy to me. Um, so it's just, it's always a lot of fun to do this and, and, you know, to see those reactions from you guys. So we believe me, we really appreciate all the, all the continually, the continual interactions and things with you guys. We, we love it. We love that you listen and we love putting it out for you. So thank you for that. Um, enjoy your holidays. Uh, do, do whatever you can to be safe and healthy out there. Uh, like Dusty said, Sarah said, uh, we're doing the same type of stuff as everybody else. It's not fun. It's not what we want to do, but, uh, you know, just trying to be, trying to be as smart as we can about all of it. So, um, thank you again. Enjoy your holidays. We will be back before the new year. We'll get you one more before the new year. And then we will all, uh, kick 2020 the hell out of here and get into 2021. Hopefully, uh, having a little bit more fun out in the world. So thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, happy holidays. We'll uh, catch you next week. And as always, go pack, go.